Welcome to Lessons in Leadership, Steve Adubato with my colleague, Mary Gamba. Mary, how are you on this beautiful Sunday morning, 10 a.m. on News 12 Plus, followed by Think Tank with Steve Adubato and Nicole Swenerton. That's on 1030 on News 12 uh, Plus, but also uh, on a million other platforms. Mary, where are we seeing? Uh, we, we're seen almost everywhere. So you can find us as a podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, and on Spotify, and then on various websites, Best of NJ, NJ on Air, NJ.com, uh, ROI, Spot oh, I said Spotify, NJBIA, and CIANJ uh, in Commerce Magazine's website. And, and if you can't be... remember all of that, just go to stand-deliver.com. Uh, not only can you find where else you can find us, but there's a bunch of free articles, resources, information on your various books. So uh, definitely check us out there as well. Who makes the show possible? Oh, I knew that was coming. So uh, first and foremost, one of our newest partners we're proud to uh, have on board is Seton Hall University and the Bacino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University. And we also have Gibbons. Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Eng Engineers, Local 825, as well as the New Jersey Sharing Network, uh, who are all about organ and tissue donation. If you are not an organ donor, get out there and make sure that you um, register to become one. Got it. Hey, let's introduce our uh, good friend, Dr. Brian Price, who's Executive Director of Bucino Leadership Institute at the great Seton Hall University. Good to see you, Dr. Price. Hey, doing, Steve. Hey, Mary. Thanks for having me back on. Hey, you have the coolest, you think you have like the coolest Pirates shirt on right now, but I'm going to show you something. You ready? Yeah, three quarters. Ah, oh, love it. All it's right. a sweatshirt. No, where did I get this? So we, get, we it was a gift from us from the Bacino Leadership Institute when you came to uh, guest lecture and be on our podcast, which by the way, uh, is we're celebrating our 50th podcast next week. So we're really pumped up. Love it. And by the way, we had so much fun um, uh, together with Dr. Price and the Bucino Leadership Institute and the university overall with Dr. Nyer and uh, Dr. Joe Nyer and, and Pat Lyons, the, the chief of staff, and also uh, uh, Matt Barwick and the great team there. We've had a great relationship with them. I'm, uh, I'll disclose, a pretty obsessed Seton Hall basketball, men's basketball, and women's team is pretty good as well. But um, let's go Pirates. Hey, Brian, let me ask you this. This partnership, this collaboration between Lessons in Leadership and the Vicino Leadership Institute and the larger university, not just to plug us or plug you, why is it strategically and frankly, from a practical point of view, smart leadership and innovation? Sure. Well, first off, you know, you always want to associate yourself with quality people and quality organizations. So that was kind of a no brainer to team up with, with you and Mary in, in this regard. Uh, but from a, from a strategic standpoint, why it's important to us is we are trying at the Bacino Leadership Institute in order to become a brand name in leadership. And so what better way than to connect with an audience and a community and a network that is already interested in leadership. And it's the same folks that read your books, the same folks that, you know, tune into your, your podcasts and, and shows like this. So for us, it was a no brainer. And also the fact that I have been teaching and will continue to teach at the Vicino Leadership Institute, whether it's remote or in person, we will find out at the time. Um, I teach a leadership course there with extraordinary students. By the way, uh, describe who the students are and the leaders they hope to be. Yeah, absolutely. So at the Vicino Leadership Institute, we have competitively selected undergraduate students, but unlike a lot of universities, which kind of center sometimes their leadership development out of their business school, for example, 
or in their grad school components, we do it with an interdisciplinary group of students. So we are kind of entering in our third year. I kind of joke I'm in my junior year at Seton Hall, uh, both for the Institute and myself. And we have 220 plus students ranging from 34 different majors in six different schools and colleges at the university. So it is truly an interdisciplinary leadership development institute. Mary, all yours. Sure, and I know this is gonna seem like a loaded question, but in your three years, and now that you've gotten your feet wet with the Leadership Institute, if there is one leadership lesson, just one, that you could impart on these students as they're getting ready to go out into the world and be leaders, what would it be? Especially in the age of COVID. <laughs> sure, I was gonna say, I mean, like, uh, looking at COVID, which in my opinion is the best leadership case study example of our time. I think the number one leadership lesson that everyone has learned, whether you're a leader or not, is you have to be flexible. Um, you know, and leaders these days, I don't care what, uh, what field you're in, what profession you're in, everybody has been impacted by the pandemic. And so the most effective organizations and the most effective leaders are ones that are, are flexible. Along those lines, we had Dr. Joe Nair, your president, on um, relatively early on in the pandemic, but decisions were being made, changed within the week, the hour, the day, the state was making decisions, the CDC was saying things. How difficult is it for Dr. Nair, yourselves and the other, yourself and the other leaders at the university to make decisions and plan when what's going on around us is so much beyond our control and so there's so much uncertainty? Look, again, this is another one that has to do with flexibility, but uh, leaders have to operate in, a, uh, in an environment where there is not certain information, right? Where there's a lot of ambiguity and uncertainty. And so Dr. Nyer and a lot of the other higher ed presidents in New Jersey and around the country were faced with essentially that there were no good decisions out of that. And you had to make some strategic uh, bets along the way and hope that you're right. I think one of the things, and not surprisingly, Dr. Nyer is a former military person, even though he's Navy, you know, even oh, though he's a oh, Navy guy. Uh, I was gonna bring that up next. Tell us about- <laughs> you know, um, and, Yeah, go ahead, and, Mary. He's got a background that yes. he has to share when he talks about Dr. Nyer, go ahead. Yeah, mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, um, even though he's a Navy guy, we got Army Navy coming up, so I have to kind of get that plug in to, uh, to go Army. Um, he did a fantastic job, in my opinion, of uh, hunting down and, pro and, and trying to get as much information as possible and then developing a team not only to uh, analyze but synthesize that information and then make timely decisions. Uh, you'll recall we were one of the first universities in order to say, you know, to put a plan in place for in-person instruction. Um, and then when the conditions on the ground change, you know, we were able to, to adjust, again, going back to that flexibility component. Mary, I'm curious about the leadership piece uh, of the military, because people often think, oh, the military, they have a plan, they train their people to execute the plan. And I often think, and I don't want to trivialize it by connecting it to sports. What about in sports, Mary, and you're, you're, Mary's a hockey fan. I still don't, I always say this, I don't know exactly what offsides means in hockey. I do know in football. <laughs> So, Mary, in hockey, you have a game plan. In football, I know you have a game plan, but the defense is set up a certain way, and you have to call an audible. I'm sure there's some sort of audible in hockey. Um, Mary, we have to call audibles all the time, but do we assume in the military they have a plan they just execute? Yeah, that's a great question, and I was going to switch gears over to that with you, Brian, just to learn a little bit more about your background, what got you to be so passionate about leadership, and really what the military has taught you in terms of leadership, and really um, how it made you who you are today. 
Yeah, no, there's there's lots to unpack there, obviously, and leadership is super important to our military. To kind of answer Steve's question first and then to, to answer Mary's question, you know, being able to improvise um, has always been a hallmark of the American military. You know, when you go back to World War One, World War Two, and how maybe dogmatic uh, our, the German opposition was and the German military was, one of the things that made us unpredictable but also very effective was in the military, we were able to uh, you know, make decisions on the fly and make the best decisions for, for the mission and the people. Um, you know, we have a phrase in the military called mission first, people always. That's, I think, very applicable to, uh, you know, the, the corporate world as well. Uh, to answer kind of Mary's question, like wh why, you know, what about the military and leadership? Um, it's really its most purest form of leadership. Uh, when you strip everything down, you're asking people to put their lives on the line um, in defense of the country and to do things that um, you know, normal people wouldn't necessarily do on their own. And I think uh, at the heart of all leadership is you know, leadership, you know, why do teams exist? They exist because the, the, the challenge is too great for one individual to tackle alone. And so you need a team to do that and teams need leaders. Uh, so it was a natural transition for me to go from uh, my 20 years in the army as a Lieutenant Colonel the first half I flew attack helicopters, the second half I was able to teach at West Point. Um, but I think, you know, that natural transition from the military to then transitioning to Seton Hall, which was standing up this four-year leadership institute and the ability to positively impact the next generation of, of leaders, again, was a, a, a natural transition. You know, Brian, uh, Mary and I, through our company, Stand and Deliver, everyone will see our website up there, a lot of free articles and information. Um, we're not trying to make money off that website. It's for informational purposes. Not that there's anything wrong with making money, but it's not the goal. Um, so one of the things that's interesting is that <clears throat> we do a lot of leadership development in the healthcare world. We do a physician leadership academy. We've done nurse leadership academies. And people have often compared the battle, the challenge of the leaders on the front lines, doctors, nurses, respiratory therapists, and others in this age of COVID as a war. Is it an apt analogy in your opinion? No, and I'll tell you why. Um, and it's probably not the reason why you think I'm going to say. Um, a lot of people, uh, remember if you go back to 9-11 and the first responders you know, doing amazing heroic things on that day. And then you, uh, you, know, you had the, the analogies and the comparisons to people in, in war and in combat you know, doing those things. But I think the one thing that separates, which is, which is different is when you're in, you know, I deployed to Iraq, I deployed to Afghanistan. Not every single day is a firefight, right? Like you could be deployed for a year. In some cases, you know, you don't experience a lot of firefights. These nurses and the, and the healthcare workers, they're on the front lines every day. There is no, there's no respite. There's no rest. It is day after day. And, you know, when you see the fluctuations in, in COVID and now the, the rise in our hospitalizations, um, it never gets any easier for those people. And yet, when I talk to corporate groups, I say, you know, isn't this amazing? Did you guys hear the story yesterday of, of that entire hospital nursing wing just quit because they were fed up with it? No. You don't, you don't hear any of those stories. You don't hear people walking out, people quitting, people, you know, so to me, in some ways, it's even more heroic, those folks that are on the front line, literally on the front yeah. line, every day. And then, by the way, Mary and I have been talking a lot about gratitude and appreciation. There is no, 
there are no specific words, there are not enough words for us to say thank you to our healthcare workers on the front lines. Um, our actions speak louder, so it is never going to get old for us to talk about doing the right things for yourself. Yes, we all hope and pray the vaccine, we're taping this on December 1st, 2020. We don't know what it's going to be like in the first quarter of 2021. Wear the mask, socially distance, do not get together with large numbers of people inside. Wash your hands, be smart. We're here, Scarlett and our camera operator, about six, eight feet away from me. He's got a mask when I'm not on, I've got mine. I'm not bragging, we're just saying do the right thing. Yeah. Stop with the, it's my personal freedom, really? Then why aren't you smoking and blowing smoke in somebody else's face? I'll get off my soapbox, but the reality is that one of the chapters and lessons in leadership is you can't lead others until you learn to lead yourself. I argue lead yourself to do the right thing and conduct yourself in a way that doesn't put other people at risk. Am I making too much of that, uh, Dr. Price? No, it's funny, Steve, because uh, one of the first things we do in the Institute is on the first day I ask the students to define leadership. And I don't give them any type of primer. You know, I don't tell them, I, I say, don't, don't Google anything. Just put down your definition. We collect those definitions. And then we, uh, the week, the, the next week, I aggregate them and put them into a word cloud. And the one word that shows larger than any other, and this is three years running, by the way, the one word that shows up more than any, more than any other in terms of frequency is the word others. And if others. I had to use one word to define leadership, if you just gave me one word, it would be others. So, you know, look, I, I know how politicized everything is now and we're in a hyper, you know, partisan uh, world, but no matter what you think of the, of the virus or the, uh, the shutdowns, the, the, the measures to contain it, if you start with others, right? And, and I think uh, once you kind of strip all that stuff away and you go to others, I think people can make the right decisions. Hey, before you let me go, Brian, one of the things that uh, we pride ourselves on is our relationship with Seton Hall University and our relationship with the Bucino Leadership Institute. And we called Brian about two months ago. And because Mary and I have been working on a book for a while and it started out innovation and disruption in the age of COVID. And then Mary said, hold on, there's gonna be innovation and disruption after COVID. Um, let's get COVID out of the title. What is it gonna be? So we started writing and then we went back and forth and we said to Brian, hey, do you, do you have someone who potentially out of the Institute who could be with us? And so if you could, Alvin, put on camera, she didn't expect to be on camera, Ariana Welling, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Ariana is with us and she's been working with us for the last couple months. And let's just say this, Ariana's there, on there right now. Real quick, Brian, then I'll have Ariana do this. We've pivoted seven different times with the premise of the book, the message of the book, the timing of the book. And I, try, I think we're practicing what we preach as opposed to me not knowing what I wanna write. And Ariana has been in the middle of all that. A, what does she show you as a leader? And B, are we practicing what we preach or am I just screwed up? Well, um, Ariana, you can tell me all the bad stuff about Steve and Mary off camera. We won't, we'll say <laughs> Not that Mary, later. just me. <laughs> um, but uh, so Ariana is, is one of our, like is a fantastic Bucino success story, in my opinion. Um, and she's new to the Institute. Uh, she transferred into Seton Hall uh, last semester. And what we do is, it's a four-year program. So people start in their first year. We have a minimum number of slots for uh, first semester sophomores to join the program. This year, we had about nine or 10. We only had one in the Stillman School of Business. And so who emerged on top from that episode? It was Ariana. And then when it came to you know providing you several students in order for this special opportunity, by the way, thank you for that because um, I know how much of it is a leadership development opportunity as much as it is, is going to help out with your book. 
she it was not a surprise to me that she emerged on top of that. So yeah. um, I don't know if we're putting too much pressure on you, Ariana. No, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, no, you are, but that's part of leadership is having pressure. Ariana, let me ask you this. It's not so much about our book, which will be out soon enough, but for you as a very young person going into the Institute and then working with us, one of the things, Mary and I, we talked about you behind your back on a previous podcast. We, Mary, why did we say we hired Ariana? What uh, did we see? Well, we just saw the, the passion, the drive, and the commitment to just uh, getting stuff done, and, and you've proved that tenfold, ten times over. Ariana, where does that come from? It comes from being a first-generation college student. It comes from my background, my experience, being surrounded by my family members. My grandparents came to this country with only $500 in their pocket, and you know they made amazing things out of it. So mostly it comes from that. What do you see? Oh, I'm going to try it another way. When Dr. Price was talking about leadership, how do you define it? To me, leadership is all about ambition and commitment, meaning committed throughout the entire process, even when adversity comes to play. So that's the main thing that um, comes to play when I think of leadership, because no leader has been successful without failure. They haven't been successful without adversity or some problem along the way that made them want to quit, but they persevered and that's what made them a great leader. P.S. Before I let you go, did we tell you you were going to be on camera for this? Did we give you any prep? No. <laughs> flexible. So, so we pulled you in. Go ahead, Brian. I said flexible. That's my hallmark yeah. word today. So yeah. that, by, by the way, Aaron, before we let you get Brian go, we pulled you in. I wanted to do that because you are a young leader working with us on the book and you come from the Bucino Leadership Institute. How much did that throw you off? Because people say, you've got to give me a warning. You've got to tell me. And I say, yeah, it doesn't always work that way. You say? That's completely true, but you just got to go with the flow and keep moving forward. Mary, what do you say to that? Oh, I, and you're a rock star. I've said that 10 times over, and thank you. Uh, yeah, you too, Steve. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but Brian, thank you so much for, uh, you know, just sending her our way. And it's just been such a pleasure working with you. And even just hearing you talk about how, you know, the best leaders had to have failed to get to where they are today. That's just your wise beyond your years. So. Ariana, you, you represent the Bucino Leadership Institute without turning this into a commercial for the Institute or Seton Hall, uh, which we will not, but I'll say this. You represent the university and the Institute extremely well. And Brian, thank you, as Mary said, for uh, the recommendation. And um, I promise we won't mess her up. She'll be ready to go after this to be even better leader. Brian, thank you. Ariana, thank you. Uh, Mary and I will be right back. Right, Brian, do you want to say anything before we say goodbye? No, I just want to wish you guys happy holidays. And uh, yeah, no, this is uh, tough times. We'll all get through it and leadership will help us. By the way, this is being taped on December 1st to be seen after, but happy holidays that you already just had. Okay, right. see, you next, see you right after this. <laughs> see you guys. Thank you. This edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, is brought to you by Valley Bank, the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, New Jersey Sharing Network, Prager Metis, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ On Air, CIANJ and Commerce Magazine.
Hey, welcome back to uh, Lessons in Leadership. Check this out. Can, can you see this on camera? I can't, Mary, can they see this? I think they can, yes. Okay, Elvin, can they see it? Elvin's bragging all day about all the things he has to do. He goes, you have no idea how much I got. Talk about leadership and multitasking. Elvin, you're saying your world is so complicated, you have to be an organizer, a manager, an executor, and a leader, right? Is that your point? That is correct. Okay, Frank Brown, our great audio engineer, let me ask you a question. Is it not a great leadership trait when you have a degree of humility and you stop bragging about yourself? I'm joking half the time when I'm bragging about myself. Elvin's serious, Frank. Get Frank up on. I, I got. He's got to take a hit for this. He's Not serious. Frank, he's serious. I mean, a good leader doesn't complain about their load. They just they just carry it, and they make sure the people working around them don't even understand how tough it is. You said that in, a, in another interview. He wasn't Frank, listening. How many times has Elvin made reference to? You should. See, this is the exact quote, <laughs> Steve. You should see what's going on over here and how much I have to manage. Today, how many times? Just today. Oh. Well, well, that's only because, Steve, you go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. Okay. <laughs> Let me tell you, this is a lesson in leadership right now, in this moment, very, very real. Because here's the thing. Elvin does have a lot going on. So does Scarlett behind the camera. So does Mary. So do I. So does Frank. Sylvester on the editing end. He's I, I, we all well. need to share. We need to share right now and just put it, put it all out there, everyone. <laughs> This is Frank. Now, you know Frank's going to come back and negotiate a bump <laughs> in his deal. <laughs> well, I, I, think sorry. I think it's really funny. So last night, Steve, to tell you how the sausage was made, I'll tell you how my night was. I was setting up. I have two lights on either side of me, a Go Christmas ahead. tree over this shoulder that I had to squish up against the wall, a window <laughs> over here that's covered with a sheet. And all the while, this room is about five foot by seven foot wide. And, you know, it's just okay. as So Mary's got issues. Elvin's got issues. Scarlin. Scarlin's on camera. You can't really see him. Right before we opened, I said it on another show. Scarlin, is it, not, is it not true that you turned to me right before we were ready to go at 9 o'clock this morning? You said, hey, was there a dog up here? And did a dog take care of his business right next to the camera? So, Elvin, you may have a lot of cameras, but I've got dog do in the studio. Not anymore because I delegated to my wife. I was going to gonna say, up. you didn't clean that up, though, did you? Do I look like I'm going to clean it up? <laughs> And I can't ask Garland because it's not in his contract. So I begged my wife and gave her an extra $100 to clean it up. N not really totally joking. It was 50. But the reality <laughs> is everyone's got a, a cross to bear. Elvin, do you want to apologize to the team? He left. He Elvin left. left. No, who's producing? No one's back there. Elvin, you still there? I am still here. Yes, sir. Okay, I think he's mad at us. I, I think right, he's, he's mad. He's mad. I know. Now he's going to be mad. Not at all. All right, I'll be serious. Mary, we have to introduce this. Uh, are we going to, Mary, help me. Are we going to talk afterwards about that? Sure, Governor yeah, Cuomo? let's throw it to the clip and then we'll come back real quick. 2002, here's the scene. 2002, New Jersey Performing Arts Center. Mario Cuomo, uh, the late, great Mario Cuomo. I sat down with him for a one-hour interview, for, uh, which is now broadcast on public broadcasting right now. Um, and we talked about leadership. We talked about a whole range of things. But in this clip, he talks about how leaders have to make a powerful personal connection I was there in 1984, back in the day, when he gave his speech at the Democratic National Convention in San Francisco, which moved me tremendously. And I wanted to know, what's the essence for a leader being a great communicator, Governor Mario Cuomo? I have one more thing I want to throw at you before we let you go. 
I was uh, greatly moved by this book that you wrote a few years ago, More Than Words, The Speeches of Mario Cuomo. Um, I told you that I was there in 1984 when you spoke in San Francisco before the Democratic National Convention. I have used you in a lot of seminars that I, I do on what does it mean to be a great communicator. I talk about you in a, a book I wrote called Speak from the Heart. The essence of great, powerful human communication is? I don't know. I, I know some ingredients. How do you uh, do it? Oh, I don't. Uh, leave me out. I, <laughs> the, I think what you have to have for great communication, Martin Luther King Jr., is a profound belief, an idea. It doesn't have to be complicated. An idea that is profound, that is worthwhile, that is real, and a sincere commitment to that idea. And if you're not sincere, there are very few people who can give a really effective speech and not mean what they're saying. You have to be a real fraud to do that, a gifted fraud to do that. And I don't know many. The really good speeches, the Martin Luther King Jr. is the greatest speech I've ever heard, seen, or read. And it's because whatever else he was, and who knows, only God knows what's in your heart and mind, but he was obviously committed to the truth of freedom for his people, fairness for his people, and for all people, because he didn't limit that speech to blacks. And he was so right there. The speech I gave in 1984, both Cronkite, Brinkley, and somebody else said, this is the greatest reaction they ever saw in a hall. And it was a tremendous reaction, you were there. But the speech wasn't special. The speech didn't say anything unusual. The speech didn't use words that were magic in their poetry. It was, it was the ideas, you know, the, the simple ideas that, look, we've got a country here that's the most powerful country in world history, and we've got more and more people in that shining city on a hill, but there were people in the gutter where the glitter doesn't show, and we're ignoring but them. But there was passion, Governor. It was passionate, and it was a profound idea, and people knew I believed it. And so what happened is it was like opening the book of their life, and they were reading their thoughts. It wasn't me. They didn't know who Mario Kukumo was. They still don't. And so, so the, the, I know the necessary ingredients. You have to be talking about something profoundly significant, and you have to mean it. So that was Governor Mario Cuomo, 2002 uh, Performing Arts Center. Um, by the way, the irony is we're great friends with Chris Cuomo over at CNN. Believe it or not, Mary, did you know that Maria Cuomo, Chris's older sister, um, Governor Cuomo's younger sister, that... Maria Cuomo and I did a pilot in 1987 for broadcast that didn't go anywhere. Did you know that? I had no idea. I'm going to have to. Do you have a video of that anywhere? Is it on VHS or 8-track? Maria and I made an agreement. She's married to Kenneth Cole, the great shoe, Kenneth Cole. Um, we made an agreement that we would burn all the tapes. They don't exist anymore. No. Are you serious? Wow. It was called, ready for this? Video Magazine. Italian style with Steve Adubato and Maria Cuomo. <laughs> Are you true. serious? Yeah. Wow. It aired on MSG. I'm not even lying. It's uh, true. What I wouldn't do to be able to check that out. Nah, it's, it's not good. Hey, Mary, what do you take all seriousness from Governor Cuomo? Got a minute left. Biggest message about connecting with people on a human, personal level and his message about, 
you have to profoundly believe in what you're saying. Yeah, and I think that's it. I think it's about sincerity. It's about being believable. I think all too often in today's day and age with social media, everybody doing everything really fast and needing uh, not that personal human connection. I just think he really hit home with that, just having that commitment and that connection with others. Someone says, wow, that's almost two decades ago. It's got to be outdated, right? It's not, is it? No, and if anything, it needs to be more of that today and less of the other where everybody's just in a hurry and everything's all digital. And we just don't have as much as, of that human personal connection anymore. So hopefully we could uh, start getting back to that. You know, in the 30 seconds I have left, I often ask our clients that we're coaching on presentation skills, the leaders, what do you care about deeply? Where's your passion? Why is this something that you're proposing that you care so much about? And they say, well, I've got a lot of information to get out there, a data dump, PowerPoint, bells and whistles, charts, graphs. But what do you believe? I'm not going to get my soapbox, but I'll tell you this. Mario Cuomo had it right. You connect with people here, not here. There's a place for connecting with them intellectually. But if you don't get them here, there is no there. I'm Steve Adubato. That's Mary Gamba. This has been Lessons in Leadership. And we're all going to get out our violins for the great Elvin Badger and cry me a river. We'll see you next time. <laughs> this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, is brought to you by Valley Bank, the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, New Jersey Sharing Network, Prager Metis, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ On Air, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine.